Hey guys, this is David. We wanted to let you know about an exciting opportunity we don't want you to miss out on. We are hosting our annual Awaken Conference Labor Day weekend in Dallas, Texas. Join 4,000 other young adults from all over the country and world to be a part of seeing an awakening of the hope of the world, which is the church of Jesus in our generation. Go to theporch.live to get a ticket before they sell out. Hope to see you at Awaken 2022. Let's do it. Hey, help me welcome our Porsche Live location. Just, I'm gonna say all of them and then let's all go ballistic. Okay, here we go. Welcome, Porsche Live North Houston, Porsche Live Tulsa, Porsche Live Indy, and a special welcome to Porsche Live Fort Worth. All of our friends tuning in live wherever you are, my friends in the room in Dallas, we're so glad that you are here. We're taking a break from series. We just wrapped up POV. Uh, point of view from the disciples and those around Jesus, and I'm really excited where we're heading tonight. Before I do that, if you're just now tuning in, if you're wa- uh, listening at a later day, watching a later day, we just announced our Awaken theme, the rehearsal. It's gonna be awesome, September 3rd through 5th. Check it out at awaken.live. But that's then, tonight. I wanna start off, raise your hand if you have ever been ripped off or scammed. Uh-huh, yep. Hi, my name is J.D. Rogers, I have been ripped off and scammed. I wanna talk about one of the biggest scams to exist, and some of you, even my Enneagram 7s, might get really upset about this because you love adventure and thrill and spontaneity or whatever. Um, Spirit Airlines. So, let me just get on my soapbox real quick. Unless you like, like, stuffing wrinkly clothes into a backpack, it's a scam because I remember my first time using Spirit. I got into Expedia, you know, comparing all my prices, and I'm like, it's like 200, 200, 200, and it's like $53, and I'm like, dang, all right, click. Y'all have all been there, you've been there. So I click on it, and it's like, well, pay to, or add a bag, $75. And I'm like, all right, I mean, I need a bag, I'm, you know, whatever, click on it. And then it's like, oh, select a seat, $25. I'm like, select a seat? No other airlines made me do that. And I look at the end of it, and it's like $10 cheaper. And I'm like, you know what, whatever. I thought it was gonna be way cheaper, but I'll, I'll do it, it's $10 cheaper. So then I click it. This is when I knew I was scammed. I get to the airport and I'm looking at, you know, United, Delta, all these different ones. I'm like, those are nice. And then I see that yellow. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, it's, it's quaint. And so I get on, you know, and I'm like, excuse me, excuse, sorry, sorry, you know, sorry, ow, ow, sorry. And I get into my seat and it's like, you know, and then my bag that I paid, you know, $85,000 for is in my lap pretty much. And it's the only time I can look around and see like this plane isn't the safest thing. Like, why is it called spirit first off? I mean, am I about to? And so I'm sitting on the plane, but uh, that just came to me um, from the spirit, you could say. So, okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> My friends are booing me. Um, where was I? Oh yeah, so 
I'm sitting there, I'm looking around, I'm like, this doesn't seem very safe. I think I got scammed. It was the only time I actually ever listened to the like flight attendant's instructions. <laughs> I'm like looking for my mask, cause I'm like, this does not look safe. And needless to say, I got off and the first thing I said was, man, that was a ripoff. I start there because I wanna talk about one of the biggest ripoffs or scams that the world sells us. And it's sexual freedom and sexual exploration. Because the world sells us that sexual freedom comes with no cost. But that's the biggest scam that culture sells us. And some of you might not be convinced of that. I hope that by the end of the night, you will see that culture says, hey, in order to be free, you can do what you want, when you want with your body, because it's your body, and whatever makes you happy, do it. Well, when people are feeding that to a bunch of hormone, raging, all the things, testosterone, that make up young adults who are single and have sex drives, and we hear, do what you want with your body, and do what makes you happy, we're like a bunch of rabbits. It's insane. And so the problem is, culture says this is what makes you feel free. This is what makes you have fun. But here's why we're having this talk tonight. The title of my message tonight is simply Battling Sexual Sin. And the reason why I wanted to have this talk is because last week, if you were here with us, DeMarv wrapped up POV talking about shame. And he asked all of you to write down the thing that makes you most shameful on a card and to bring it forward. And the team got together on Wednesday and we went through thousands upon thousands of cards and our hearts were broken because our very own people represented in this room. Praise God, hopefully they were set free. But here's a lot of what we saw. And guys, I just spent some time with all of these cards, and I mean card after card. Lust, porn, sex, women, sexual abuse, sexual thoughts. I'm sorry, God, you know what I did. Porn, sex, masturbation. My struggle is with pornography. Homosexuality, sexual sin that I choose to do boys taking advantage of me, past sexual perversion, past sexual sin and lustful thoughts, prostitution, lust, masturbation, lust, pornography, pornography and masturbation, porn, jealousy, embarrassment, and my sexual sins, broken relationships, porn, lust, sexual abuse, masturbation, porn, Lust, sexual abuse, masturbation, homosexuality, secret sexual sin, over and over and over again. And it just did something to me, and we're starting off, this is, I'm just gonna tell us, it's gonna be a more on the serious side of a message, just brother to brothers and sisters. We've all just been wrecked this week to just see card after card of people acknowledging, I think you're not as surprised. I think that you know the fact that you wrote in a card, you are saying, hey, I've been buying a lie. I've been ripped off. I've been scammed. But my fear is, is that a lot of us have written those things on a card before. And some of you might have written on this card and this week found yourself 
maybe not feeling as much shame because of the cross, but still in your sin. That you left your shame at the stage and down in this bucket, but the struggle was still waiting for you when you got home. And tonight, it's a message of both challenge and hope. Because on this side of heaven, we will constantly be battling all types of sin, but specifically in our young adult years, I mean, it just seems that we will really be battling sexual sin as single young adults, as married young adults. It doesn't go away. But in this battle, I think a lot of us wonder, can I actually be free? Can I actually defeat this addiction? Can I win the battle against sexual sin? And I wanna tell you, the answer is through Jesus, yes. You can, you can, because of Jesus. And so tonight will be, like I said, both a message of challenge and hope. Hope in Jesus. Because left to ourselves, we cannot, and we'll see that. My hope for this message is that you would see that your story does not end with your sexual past. Your story does not end with what's happened to you sexually. And you are not defined by what you have done or are currently are doing sexually. That you can, with Jesus, defeat your sexual sin. Because culture, like I said, it's throwing at us Tinder for hookups, Snapchat for sexting, porn sites, now virtual reality porn, Twitter for anything you want, hookup culture, OnlyFans, all these different things. Culture says, take this if you wanna be free, yet bound, shamed, addicted. And so tonight, I wanna break the chains of sexual addiction and sexual sin with the power that Jesus offers. I wanna do that by taking a look at one of the greatest kings in the Old Testament. So if you have your Bible, open up to 2 Samuel chapter 11. And we're gonna look at King David, a man that if he had taken care of his sexual sin rather than it taking care of him, he was a man marked for most of his life in the story of 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel by a man after God's own heart, a man categorized by great faith, the young boy that when everyone else was afraid of the giant Goliath, he in faith got up and declared who his God was and he knocked him down with nothing but a sling and a stone. That's who he was, a man of great faith. But sadly, that's not where his story ended because not only was he marked by faith, but one of the things that David is marked by now to generations after generations is his greatest failure. And we're gonna read about that right here. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse one. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman and one said, hey, is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her and she came to him and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house and the woman conceived 
And she sent and told David, I am pregnant and you are the father. I mean, a real time Jerry Springer happening right here in 2 Samuel. Today we're gonna look at the first few verses that were the path that led to David's failure. The battle that he had with his sin that he lost, but hopefully it was not for nothing that we can redeem it by using it as an example to how we should live our life. I think one of the problems that people still struggle with sin year after year is because they do everything they can to attack the sin. No porn, no porn, no sex, no sex. And they give no attention to the path that led to the sin. They don't spend time rewinding the tapes and backing up because maybe it's a little uncomfortable or a little uneasy or honestly it just takes a lot of effort. So you'd rather say, no, 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 I just won't text them anymore or no, 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 I just won't get on that site anymore. I won't do those things. But yet you're not strong enough and you keep doing it and keep doing it. So just really simply put tonight for my note takers, five steps to win the battle against sexual sin. Five steps, they're gonna be all ours, nice and neat for you. Five steps to win the battle against sexual sin. Just going verse by verse in the path that led to David's failure. Verse one, in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle. It's like Samuel was exposing my man David because David was a king meant to be in battle. So he's just emphasizing, yeah, the spring of the year, you know, the time when kings were supposed to be at battle. Hint, hint. David sent Joab and his servants and all Israel, everyone else but himself. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. I mean, it's like Samuel is writing and really wanting us to notice something here that was already wrong. The first problem that David made is our first step to battling against sexual sin. The first step to fight sexual sin is to remember who you are and what you are called to do. Remember who you are and what you are called to do. So what is Samuel trying to show us here? Who was David? A king, anointed by God, chosen to lead God's chosen people into great purpose, into great heights, to be the strongest nation in all the land. That was who he was, chosen by God to be royalty. And what was he called to do? Go to war, lead the war. The reason why I wanted to start with remembering who you are and what you are called to do is because remembering requires something mental. And if you don't take away anything tonight practical, here's what I want you to take away. You will be what you think you are. You will be or you will do based off of what you believe you are. In this moment, we see David clearly forgot who he was and what he was called to do. Because if he remembered, I am a king anointed and chosen by the God of the universe called to lead and stand up and be a man and go to war, it would have changed everything about this moment. But because he forgot who he was, and his purpose and his calling, because he neglected his character and his calling, he found himself home when everyone else was at war. 
that is often when you will fall, is when you are at home when you're meant to be in the battle. So for David, that's great. King, anointed by God. Job, go to war. As a Christian in 2022, who are we? What are we called to do? First Peter puts it really simple for us. First Peter 2, 9 says, but you are not like that. If you read the previous verses, he's talking about, you're not like the world, you're not like darkness, you are different. That's us. You are a chosen people. See the parallel between David chosen to be king? We are a chosen people, not only chosen and just people, but you are royal priest. In Christ, we inherit who he is, therefore, you and I, we're royalty. It gets even better. We're a holy nation. Lastly, we are God's very own possession. That is who you are. Chosen, royalty, a nation set apart, and you are personally important to God. You are his very own possession. And then he says, as a result, look at it, just right there in the text. As a result, because of who you are, here's what you do. As a result of who you are, your calling is show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So who are you? Royalty, chosen, God's very own possession. What are you called to do? Walk away from darkness, step into his wonderful light and live like it. Step into the battle against darkness, wage war against your flesh and live as if you are a chosen child of God. And so when the enemy tries to come and lure you away and try to get you and culture tries to get you to forget who you are, you have to remember, remember what this verse says. Every single one of you, but despite what you feel, despite what you've been told, despite other people have treated you, you are chosen in God's very own possession and you have a responsibility now to live like it's true. But if, if you forget, you will live like the world. Darkness will look really appetizing to you. Sexual sin will suddenly sound really good to you because when we go and choose to follow the temptation of sexual sin, it's because something in us feels like it's lacking. The reason why I wanna start with a mental, mental practical step is because Mentally, when I talk to young adults who fell again to porn, fell again to hooking up, fell again to lustful desires and fantasizing, masturbation, I'll ask them about their day and I'll say, what, what, how, tell me about your day. All right, why did you do that? Why did you do that? Why did you do that? And what it always comes down to slowly but surely is what we can track is it started with a belief. For a lot of times, guys, something made them feel insecure. A girl neglected them, rejected them. A girl's never said yes to them. A girl cheated on them. Their dad never showed his approval of them. There's a void, there's something lacking, and so they go searching. And you know who never puts them down? The person on the screen. You know who never neglects them? Porn's always there. You know it's always there for them to go and to meet that need and to fill that void with? A screen, an image, a person. But I'm telling you, it's a scam. 
It's telling you this is where you can find freedom. This is where you can find life. This is where you can fill that void. But then you know what you feel after. And you have to wake up and remember, no, no, no. When I feel this way, when my thoughts are going down a dark path, when I feel insecure, or ladies, when you don't feel worthy, or you feel invalidated, or you don't feel chosen, or like you're enough, or if you just look like someone else and you're struggling with comparison, and you wanna run to wrong guys or all these different things, you have to stop and simply remember, the world will rip me off, but in Christ, I am royalty, I'm chosen, I'm God's very own possession. Therefore, I have a responsibility to live like it's true by displaying the goodness of God, by knowing God and making him known. That is who I am. That is what I'm called to do. Not by my own strength, but his. David, his first problem was he forgot who he was. Step number two, recognize where you're susceptible. Look at verse two. It happened late one afternoon. I just love how Samuel keeps like giving us more details than we asked for. It happened, let's say around four or five o'clock, give or take. When David arose from his couch, I'm like, they got couches back then? <laughs> Leather, you know, what kind was it? It was walking on the roof of the king's house. You ever heard idle time is the devil's playground? He's walking around on the roof that he saw from the roof a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful. If we're gonna fight the battle against sexual sin, we have to recognize where we are susceptible to fall to sexual sin. We, another way of saying this is we have to look for patterns. Patterns often point to problems. If you have a reoccurring problem in your life, if you have an addiction in your life, look at the pattern that leads to the problem. I am convinced with the more and more of you that I meet and as I think back, to my like single years, my high school years, 99% of sexual sins I think would go away if we got rid of couches. I'm serious. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying, Josiah? Like, couches are always just a spot where no good takes place. Your girl's sitting across, it's late, your parents go to bed, the, the movie light's hitting her just right. Probably like George Lopez on the TV, I don't know. <laughs> You're like, is it hot? Like, what's going on? Toes start connecting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's like two responses. Toes, toes. <laughs> but the point that I'm trying to articulate here is you need to think about the times, like ask yourself this question, write it down and think about it. When the devil attacks, where am I? When and where does he attack? When does he present sexual sin? Oftentimes, it's when we are alone, isolated, and on our couch. I don't know what the couch is for you. The couch might be your room alone at night. The couch might be in your Instagram DMs when you said you're gonna delete Instagram. The couch might be when you take them home in the car and you should have walked them to your door, but you stayed inside for too long. I don't know what the couch is in your life, but you need to think about the patterns that point to your problem. When do you fall 
to sexual sin. And some of you might be thinking right now, what, what even classifies as sexual sin? Is making out sexual sin? I'm gonna leave that between you and the Lord. I'm not gonna say yes or no. Um, here's what I'll say, just to give it to you straight. Let's be big boys and big girls. Sex, oral sex, sex in ways that shouldn't be sex, getting too handsy, making out while bumping and grinding, getting hot and steamy, you know what I'm talking about. Being alone, looking at things that cause you to be sexually aroused, entertaining yourself, and then just to make sure I hit everything, if you and your significant other or the person that you tend to hook up with had to ask yourself, are we towing the line? Yes, you are. You're towing the line. If you have to ask yourself, I think we're towing the line, it's because there's something in you telling you that you're towing the line and you need to reel it back. And you need to look and go, in light of all those things, when I fall to porn, when I fall to masturbation, when I fall to hooking up, when does it happen? When does it start? Where am I? If it's when you're in your house alone because you don't have a roommate in your room, get a roommate. If you live alone in an apartment and you're hooking up all the time, get three roommates. <laughs> like, but I'm an introvert. Wanna be free. Get three roommates. I'm serious. If you're saying, well, I don't have community, I don't have people, move to where they are. If it's apps on your phone, get rid of the apps. Whatever it is, that is the pattern that leads to you falling to sexual sin. Recognize where you're susceptible and remove it out of your life. David was meant to be at war. He was on the couch. Proverbs 18.1 says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. When I'm in isolation, there's a word that's helped me. It's an acronym called HALT. And when I'm any of these things, I literally have to halt and think about what am I doing and where do I need to go to get out of the situation? Hungry, angry, lonely, tired, and add bored, haltable, all right? When I'm hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, or bored, I gotta get up and do something because I know I'm susceptible to fall. I have to rearrange my life to not fall to sexual sin because I have recognized where I'm susceptible. Recently, what that looked like for me, I spend way too much time scrolling on TikTok. And something in me is like, well, if you're gonna be speaking to young adults, you gotta be relevant and like know all the things. It's not worth it. It's taking time. So you know what I did? Hold down that little nice shaky thing, delete. <laughs> Some of you, you think, oh, I can't live without it. You can, you can. For me, friends wanna hang out, but I haven't spent time relying on God and being with God that day. And something in me thinks, wait, can you be self-sufficient today? Because it usually starts with me. If I'm gonna go down a path that leads to sin, it starts with thinking that I can do life without God. Amen. So I have to rearrange my plans and go, God, I need you. Recognize where you're susceptible and rearrange accordingly. The next one, resist the urge to give in to your sexual desires. Verse three, and David sent and inquired about the woman. 
David sent and inquired about the woman. He saw a woman bathing on the roof. And in that moment, he had a decision. He could have said, oh, that ain't my wife and kept walking. Instead, what did he do? Like he like looked and sat and it says he inquired. And I don't have to explain what sexual urge is, correct? We're old enough in this room? Yeah, Christian, oh yeah. It's the, my mind's telling me no, but my body, that thing that comes alive in you as a young man, a young woman, yes, okay, you all know. And some of you might be thinking, well, if God gave us sexual urges and sexual desires, why would we not be able to explore them? Why would we not to be able to, uh, you know, entertain them, pleasure ourselves, find out more about who we are sexually, Something I've learned about us is when it comes to sexual sin especially, we are never more creative as individuals until we're justifying sin. We're never more creative until we're justifying sin. And so you get the urge and you're like, well, I won't go all the way. Well, we'll just do this. Well, I'll just watch and I won't actually do anything, I'll just watch. Or it's just, it used to be full on videos, now it's just images and it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. And instead of resisting the urge, you feed it like David did. He could have turned away, but he fed it. It says he went and he inquired more. This is like the modern day, you're scrolling on Instagram and a picture pops up on your explore page or something and it's a girl in a bikini or a guy doing some shirtless thirst trap thing and you could have kept scrolling. You could have got off. You could have done anything else, but what'd you do? Click. You went and inquired about this lady or about this man. And you went to their profile, you saw more bikini pictures that you liked, that got you sexually aroused, the urge came, now what do you know? Oh my gosh, how is my laptop in my lap? I'm just watching YouTube videos. Oh, I guess I'll type in the website. Oh, I'm at this porn website. And then you're guilty because you looked at porn again. And you're going, how did I get here? Well, if you trace it back, in that moment, you had a decision. Get off, resist the urge, or feed it. And if you continue to feed it, it will only get more and more hungry and it will lead you down a path to destruction. That's what we see in David's life. He could have walked away, but he inquired about the woman. And it says the woman was very beautiful. I wanna say something with care and compassion. I just, while I was reading this, I kinda got just an excuse I hear a lot from young adults after they fall sexually with someone else, guys will oftentimes, well, bro, she was giving me all the signals. We did it because the way she was texting me, she came on to me, she, she, she. And I wanna say to my brothers, quit blaming women for your lack of self-control. You are the leader. You are in control of what you do. You need to own up for your actions. Ladies, well, he begged and he was so sweet. He texted me all these sweet things and we were emotionally connecting. He told me about his parents' divorce and he never shares that. (laughs) To you, with compassion and care, I say, quit blaming men for your lack of self-worth. You deserve more. You are worth a man 
who will see you as God's daughter, as royalty, as chosen, as his own possession, and treat you accordingly. Last person I wanna speak to, to the abused. To the person who says, hey, there wasn't actually anything I could do. That's part of my story. And to you, I wanna say, it is not your fault. It is not your fault. You are not marked by that. A lot of you wrote down sexual abuse in this bucket, and that does not have to define who you are, but it also does not have to define your future decisions. Just because you were hurt does not mean you have to keep hurting yourself. I had to wake up and take actions for my own choices and say, I have a choice. I can keep blaming this moment and continue to let it reproduce more and more hurt in my life and in others, or I can take responsibility for who I am in Christ. And you can too, in Christ, you can. But don't do it alone. All of us, we are called to resist the urge. And you might be thinking, JD, you don't understand my sex drive, bro. You don't understand my urge. I got passions, I got feelings, I can't stop. It's all I think about, it's all I see, it's everywhere. I best get to lock myself in my room if I don't want to get the urge. And I would say to you, you're being ripped off. You're being lied to. This verse, I remember when I was single and fighting sexual sin and thinking, I cannot stop doing this. I cannot break free. This is just so, it's, I'm, I'm addicted to this. What do I do? And I read this. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. The first thing we see is your sin is not unique to you. You are not alone in what you are facing. You are not the only one with this raging sex drive or this urge that you are called to rein in and to do according to God's design. It's not unique to you. Where you are faithless, look what it says. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. That's crazy. God is faithful. Left to myself, left to yourself, you're like, bro, I can't. I can't resist the urge. I can't, I can't. I'm like, I can't, I can't. That's correct. You cannot. But God can. Jesus in you can. The power of the Holy Spirit in you can. Because God is faithful. Left to ourselves, we are faithless. That's why we run to porn. That's why we run to sex. But God is faithful. How is he faithful? To give you the strength to endure it according to his spirit and to give you a way out. That means that if you find yourself with sexual temptation or an opportunity to choose your sin, God has already determined that you are strong enough to say no to that and yes to him. That's what that says to me. You have the strength because of Jesus in you to say no, to resist. I think what we have to be honest with ourselves is, is we like our sin. We like our sex. We like our porn. We need a faithful God to help our faithless flesh. We have to wake up every day and say, God, I need you. I need you to give me the strength and to show me the way out, and God is faithful to do it. You will have to yourself cannot resist the urge, but he in you, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. He can, and he will. 
He will. For David, he provided a way of escape. Look at this. He went and inquired about the woman, and then one said, is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Basically he's saying, yo, bro, wake up, red flag. This, this woman, she's someone's daughter and she's someone's wife. I don't see King David anywhere written on this woman. She is not yours. What to say? So David sent messengers and took her. He didn't listen. But God provided the way of escape through community, which is step four, run from sin and towards community. But actually listen to them. Don't do what David did. He had one of his boys being like, hey, uh, King, I don't, I don't think that woman is for you to have sex with. And he said, go and get her. I want what I want. I want what I want. Do what I want. And I think this is why a lot of us have problems letting people speak into our dating decisions or who we date or how we date. This is why we don't like people telling us that we should probably get off social media because it's causing anxiety or us falling to sexual sin. This is probably why we don't like people saying, hey, you shouldn't live alone or hey, you should move to Dallas to get around more community. We actually don't like running to community because why? We go to people to get validated, not corrected. We want people to simply validate what we've already decided we're going to do. We like people who will say, whatever makes you happy. Because that's what the world does. We want people who are gonna pat us on the back and tell us everything we want to hear. But that's not what you need. You need this guy in your life. You need people who will lovingly seek to challenge and correct you with compassion and care because they love you and they have their best, your best interests in mind. That's the kind of people you need around you. You need soldiers in the battle with you. A man who goes to war by himself is sure to fall. But there is strength in numbers. There is strength in the pack. It's he who is isolated that the prowling lion seeks to devour. He knows if I can get them alone, that is when I can attack. You've all seen National Geographic. And now the wolves wait for the baby gazelle to get just far enough away from its mother and attack. Or now the lions wait for the sick elephant or something <laughs> and attack. The Bible says that the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He is prowling, waiting for the person who would rather run to their sin than to their community. And that's when he attacks. He who is alone is sure to fall. I think about all those like videos back in the day where people like are soldiers even today in like war movies when they're back to back with their guns, like got my six, they're going all around like this. We need that. We need people who will recognize our blind, spot, our blind spots that we can't see. We need people who will see our patterns and go, hey, hey, every time you go out with them, I get a call the next morning. Is this a good idea? Hey, you, I haven't heard about your prayer life or your time in God's word, what's going on? But instead, we want people who will simply validate us, not correct and challenge us. And the result, we run to sin and not towards the Lord. We have to do what it takes to fight sin because sin will fight 
us. We have to do what it takes to make war against sin because there's a war coming for us. Ephesians 6 tells us that we don't battle against flesh and blood. We battle against a cosmic force, a dark power who is coming to steal, kill, and destroy and take your life. And oftentimes how he does that is how he did it with David, through one decision. It was just one decision. You maybe have done it so many times, but this one time you got caught, or this one time they got pregnant, or this one time it led to an abortion that hurt, this one time it led to abuse, and it went further than you ever thought it would. I don't know what it was for you, but you were convinced on the front end, it was minimized, and you were told, hey, it's just one sin, it's just one thing, don't worry about it. And on the back end, it caused so much destruction. That's why we must run to community when we battle sin. You cannot battle alone. I wanna close with this. Why does this matter? Some of you might think right now this is just ridiculous. Another Christian guy telling you it's just to stop having sex and to save yourself and all these different things and you're like, man, this is so dated and this is so irrelevant. Why are y'all so passionate about this? Why do y'all talk about porn all the time and hookup culture and all these things all the time? That bucket's full of it, of people acknowledging, man, this brings so much hurt, so much hurt. Like it did David. He didn't just get her pregnant. If you know the story, after that moment, he has to go on and take Uriah, her husband, off the battlefield. So now his sin is affecting his fellow soldier. It's affecting your sin, affects more people than just you. Like it did Uriah, he takes him off the battleground and he says, hey, get drunk and sleep with your wife because he's trying to hide up the fact that he slept with his wife. But Uriah is a man of integrity and he won't sleep with his wife because his boys are back at battle. He says, it's not right. And so David ends up having to send Uriah to the front lines of the war to be killed, to cover up his sin. It was so much more than just a decision. It was so much more than just a one night stand. Because after this, the baby ended up not even living. And as you read the rest of the life of a man who was a man after God's own heart, who was marked by courageous faith, you see that the rest of his life, David was just never the same. He walked with a limp the rest of his life. And although his sin did not define him, like we learned last week, his sin did not define him. However, it brought a lot of unnecessary pain and consequences on his life. Your sin today, as a single young adult, six months into marriage, as a single young adult, your decisions today are affecting your marriage, if that's what God has for you. It's affecting your parenting, if that's what God has for you. It's affecting your future generation of grandkids and grandkids. The decisions you make today matter. One of the ways that mine have been affected, when I, one of the reasons why I was so afraid to get married is because my past is just riddled with sexual brokenness and sexual sin. And one of the reasons why I was always afraid to speak on stage is because I never wanted to tell anyone about that. So I always thought, well, if I speak on stage, I'm gonna be a fraud. And it wasn't until finally I opened up for the first time and I began to experience freedom from shame and guilt from my past and learning that Jesus came down and died a sinner's death on the cross and he hung my sexual sin to the cross and he was buried in a grave, in a tomb. He rose again. 
He brought victory over my sin. And because of that, the old passed away and I was a brand new man. But even still, riddled with reminders of my past, afraid to be known, especially by a woman. When I met Jenna, my now wife, I was like, oh my gosh, I am so afraid because I'm really into this girl. And if you've actually ever been vulnerable with someone that you really care about, it's so scary because you're like, man, I'm gonna give this piece of myself to you and you could like really mess me up. Like you could break up with me and like that's gonna really hurt. And so I remember when we were dating, I was like, all right, I'm gonna tell her about all my past and see how she responds because if she can't accept like what Jesus has done in my life and change, like I can't marry this girl. Like I have to marry someone who sees me as new but what if she doesn't? I really like her. Should I tell her? No, I shouldn't. Uh, going back and forth, I remember being so nervous. And we sat down for dinner and I could like barely eat. I don't think I ate a bite actually. And I sat down and I was like, okay, I just gotta talk. And I began to let her in to all of my past and my sexual sins and struggles and brokenness. And she's listening and she's listening. She's nodding. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what's she about to say? And I finish tears streaming down my face saying, this is me. I'm new in Christ, but this is all of me. And she looked at me and she said something I'll never forget. She said, thank you for trusting me with who you were. I'm not really worried about that man what I wanna know is, who is the man sitting across from me today? And what does this stuff look like to this man today? And it was like, wow. And why did it feel like that? Because in that moment, I felt free. Because I'm like, who I am today is not a man who's defined by his sexual sin. And the last step to battling sin is to respond rightly. Respond rightly. When you fall, when you are tempted, your proper response is to run to the cross for it is sufficient to meet your every need. Whether you have, you're tempted by sin or whether you have given in to sin, the cross is your solution. And I think the reason why I was so afraid to bring my sin to Jenna was because deep down there's something in me that's still afraid of my sin with God. I come before him and I confess when I've messed up or what I've looked at or what I've done and I'm thinking, what's he thinking? What's he thinking? What's he thinking? And just like Jenna reminded me of the gospel, hey, thank you for informing me of the old man. Who's the new man that I'll be dating? God is saying to you tonight, hey, that's who you were, but that's not who I see. That's not who you are. Therefore, remember who you are and what you're called to do. Recognize where you're susceptible. Resist the urge and choose me. And in the face of temptation, run to community and respond rightly. And if you do, watch how your battle against sexual sin will change. God is not done with you. God is not done with us. God wants to rewrite sexuality and all of these things with this generation. 
who wanna trust him with his design, starting with us in this room. I believe it. I believe if we do this again next year, we can see things change. But you've gotta be willing to fight the battle well. And if you do, it'll, it'll affect everything. It'll change everything. If you'll trust God with this, it'll change everything about your future marriage, your future singleness, your future parenting, all of these things. But it has to spot, start with the right response, coming to him, trusting him with wherever you're at on the spectrum of this message. I pray you will. Let's pray. God, this is heavy. And sometimes it can feel like, man, we don't even know where to begin. And so I just pray right now, Spirit, that you would come and you would meet every need of the person in the room. For the person who is feeling bound by something sexual tonight, would you just show them which part of the process you want them to take? And it might just be to respond to you, to your grace and to your kindness and to your mercy that is readily available to them. If it's the person going, man, in the face of sexual urges and desires, I've ran to my sin and not from it. Would you give them the strength? Would you show them that you are ready to resist? God, I don't know. You just, you know. You know everything going on in this room. And I pray right now, if there's anyone feeling condemnation, if there's anyone feeling like you're angry, would they feel your gentleness in this song? Would they feel your desire not to go and perform differently, but to remember whose they are in you and the calling that they have on their life because of what you've done? Because we are free, because our sexual sin doesn't define us, we respond now in worship. It's in your name that I pray, amen.